Okay. Here we are with the infamous Austin Marshmallows. Mar- marshmallows is that like just your Insta handle, or are you like? Yeah, I, I don't have I don't have like a music name yet, so I'm just Austin. Which I think is absolutely ridiculous because if if you guys haven't heard his music, like go listen to it right now. I am gonna link his uh, you know handles and stuff in the description. But like when you told me you didn't have a Spotify, I was like. How could you like how? Why? Why is YouTube <laughs> the first platform you feel like releasing your music on? Or, you know, are you more in a tutorial mindset? Do you not really like see yourself as like uh, an artist per se, even though you like are? <laughs> well, uh, the uh, the creative process for making a song is super stressful for me. I don't know what it is, but there, there will be some times when uh, I have like a week off. And then I just wake up and, it, and something in my brain is like, you have an idea. And then I, I'll, what I do is I'll be there for 14 hours in the studio and then do something. But if I have to like do a few hours a day, it's just, I'm never going to get into that headspace. So that's why I only have like three or four songs. Well, first of all, it's interesting that you say that because even as somebody who like does consider themselves like primarily a songwriter, um and like finishing albums is like very important to me and stuff like that like writing a song can still be stressful but like i don't mind you know i i don't really that that's the scary part for me is writing lyrics i don't do that well okay so first of all what's so wrong with that is oh yeah a really good song like it like that is a song that i can very clearly tell that you are into Tame Impala, but it's not like so derivative of Tame Impala that it feels like inauthentic or like, I just want to go listen to Tame Impala now. Like it sounds like you still, you know? Okay. So I'm just going to say like Austin sent me a project, like just sent me the full project. Like, and by the way, like I, I have not expressed to you like how much trust that shows that you have in me. Not that I'm going to like, you know, steal your shit or whatever, but like people are so protective of like their plugin chains, you know what I mean? And like, they're very protective of their sound. And while some people may put their stems up, you know, they're not going to tell you how they got there. And so it's just, it's pretty remarkable that you did that. And that was like huge for me because I actually like spent hours just like looking at it and studying it and like hearing what your raw drum sounded like and then hearing what each plugin that you added, you know, contributed to it. Um, and that's what we're going to do a little bit of today live on the Fame Impala podcast. So just coming up, um, I Did have it work okay? Logic. It worked. It worked so well. And because you were like, yeah, I do everything with stock plugins. Mostly there were like two plugins that like I think I had actually, I just had them. I don't even remember which ones they were, but they were like the two plugins that weren't like logic 
stock plugins. It was probably like soft tubes, saturation knob, and probably uh, like a de-esser or something. Yeah, exactly. So it yeah. was like, and de-essers, you know, whatever. Like that's not going to change the quality of the song if I don't have that. But um, so yeah, so it's really, it's really impressive what you've done because it shows that you have like a real understanding of what everything does, like in terms of just its basic function, you know, you don't worry about like, oh my God, I have to get Valhalla delay or I have to get devil lock or I have to get this or that. Like, you know, these certain plugins that like I use. I use you said on. devil lock. I was like, I use all logic plugins except yeah. for the devil. Lock. Like I actually Woo! do. <gasps> Holy shit. Did I just, did I just actually like recognize the sound of devil lock on somebody else's mix this is exciting this is like yeah. this is an exciting moment in my career because i was like impressed i was like how did he get his drums to sound like that without devil lock i guess i just didn't notice it was on there by the way get devil lock if you're a tame impala fan and you're producing music like that is probably one of the most important plugins you can have they just um, had it on sale for 29 dollars. the deluxe version by the you if you get it don't get the bass version it's not going to let you do the things that you need it to do. You need to get the deluxe version. All right. Pay attention, yeah. everybody. There's going to be some Black Friday sales. There's going to be some holiday sales, I'm sure, on, you know, stuff like Plugin Alliance. And I don't know. There, there's there's a bunch out there. If you look it up, you'll probably find a sale for uh, probably the Sound Toys bundle this time of year. But we'll see. Um, mm. But anyway, enough enough of that. First, I want to, because I really do want to get into like some Sonic stuff and like explore kind of how you figured out how to get these sounds. Just I, I will reveal I, all. I don't care. I will tell I, you everything. That's yes. my favorite thing to do. That's what's so cool, though, is that like, because wouldn't you agree that like people are like, especially producers, they're kind of like guarded about how they get their shit like. You know, like they don't want to exactly like reveal their entire plugin chain to the public. Like they might give you the stems. Tons of artists do that, which is generous enough. But to literally give you the session and be like, this is my sound, like dissected. However, you still can't get it because like, you know, you'd have to have my yeah. in my room. And, you know, there's certain things that will always be yours. But I do want to like kind of just ask a little bit more about you because this is the first conversation we've ever had. Yep. And we were in the same concert together just a few weeks ago. <laughs> I felt it. I felt it. You know, like we didn't have to see each other in person. And it was enough that I knew you were there sharing the experience. And I think I kind of convinced you. I think I maybe. You really did. I drove 11 hours and I did it. It was like nothing. I blinked and I was there because yep. that's how determined I was to see that show. Oh, and I don't think it's ever going to happen again, right? That's what they say. Okay, around 2013, I knew I wanted to do music. So I started collecting music equipment. And I've collected a lot in the past almost 10 years now. Joined the Navy in 2016, deployed in 2018. Still collecting stuff, selling stuff, upgrading some new stuff. Oh man, this studio, I have a thousand stories about the studio. Like I have the Pioneers that Kevin has. Yeah, that, well tell, tell our viewers what or our listeners what, what Pioneers are. So Pioneer was, well, I mean, they're still around, but they do mostly car audio, but they made home loudspeakers, like super fancy. So you could put them in your living room and listen to records and stuff. So they came out with this model in the early 80s, like the Pioneer CS 703, 803, 903, 603. So I have a pair of 403s from the same line. And then I have a pair of nine, CS 903s, which the seven, eight and nines are on the same box. 
but just different configuration on the front, but it still has that look, but it's like such an aesthetic and they sound great when I do plug them in. I think it's really fucking impressive that you have, like you say songwriting is stressful and that's why you don't do a lot of it. But I think it's like incredibly impressive that this is just your hobby. Like you are, you are definitely dedicated enough for it to not just be your hobby. And like, ultra dedicated some people think i'm crazy so Uh, why why do they think you're crazy because they don't have anything they're passionate about (laughs) i I, that is another thing that i do think about often yeah and i feel sorry for those people there you go you'll find it just keep searching I feel like from the music that I've heard of yours and from the sounds that I've heard come out of your studio, it wouldn't surprise me if Lonerism was your favorite album, but I don't want to assume. It is. Yes, it is. Exactly. It is is my favorite album. I can't, I love a lot of music and I listen to all sorts of music every day, but that will always lift my mood. And I will always, you can always study it because every time you listen to it, you discover something new and you're like, I didn't even think about that part of the song. Like it didn't register. Yeah. Thank God it's not just me because I was like, every time that happens to me, I'm like, I'm a bad fan. How did I not notice that before? And like that happened specifically also after Desert Days and seeing some of the songs live, you know, like just taking on new meaning and realizing, oh, I I never really like that line always kind of went in one ear and out the other for some reason. And now it's like my favorite line. Like, what the fuck? So that's, but that's cool to know that. When did you find out about the car horn? Uh Oh, what are you talking about? Wait, there's a car horn in one of the songs. I mean, I feel like I, that sounds familiar, but just listen to the end of nothing that has happened because I've been driving and I thought it was, and I, no, I definitely know (laughs) that. Fuck. What song? It's kind of, it's kind of hard to hear, but is it? No. What's wait? I, Nothing now, that has happened so far. That one. Oh, there's a car horn. When he's doing the crazy drum solo, yes, it's yes, at yeah. the end. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know what? Now I'm never gonna. Now that's always gonna be the loudest part of that song to me. Now that you told me that, you'll hear it. Embarrassed for not knowing where it was, but I know I've noticed that because I've looked around frantically in the car before. It's funny how something you can listen to the whole mix in your headphones, and you still won't notice something until someone points it out to you. It's like it's there going into your ears, but it's not registering. That's so crazy to me. I don't get Wait, it. Did I tell you about this? I know I posted about this a while ago and I'm going to have to go back and look at the exact timestamp, but there is an audio click in the left ear of eventually. No, like, there's not. There fucking is. Like I the space bar. It's literally just a mistake. Like it's so slight, but Cause that was like one of my biggest fears. Like when mixing my album is that like I leave an audio click. And so I got crazy about it and like, who the fuck cares? You know, like most people would never notice it. And it's like really not very noticeable, but because I was like priming myself to do that, like all month, basically just like going through things and like listening to individual tracks and like making sure that I had all my fades or making sure that like all of my D-click plugins like were good. And I noticed an audio click and eventually at one minute and 49 seconds in the left ear. And I, I was like so humbled when I noticed that because I was like, everybody, everybody leaves an audio click in once in a while, right? I, there's many tame songs that have a ton of imperfections. I think it just adds to it. It's just funny when they're like, 
very silly and asymmetrical and technical like that. You know what I mean? It's like a unique fingerprint. Yeah, sure. No, no, yeah. totally. Totally. But um, I do have a question for you, though. Oh, my God. Yes. You're a drummer. I am a drummer. I want to know, uh, you know, you might be one of those people that don't reveal it, but I want to know your mic placement and I want to know, like, do you like a clean sound or do you like crushed drums? Okay. So that is a great question. One that I always hoped someone would ask me. So thank you. Um, so I do not think that I am very original about mic placement at all. I like literally put my mics in front of the drums first time and that's where they've stayed. Um, one mic per drum. I'm not, I don't, do you really, do you want me to tell you like what model of mic is on everything? Cause I can do that. I, you know, no, just tell me if you happen use... to have, it's not like it's, they're the mics that people lent me and like that I happen to have, I, you know, don't know if I will change that as I learn more, but I thought, I thought I got my drums to sound pretty good. Um, you know, I have a mic on the kick on the outside of it with a hole. It has a hole. Um, and a towel in it and i have a mic on each tom my toms are tuned very low me too um i can tell yeah and i don't have a lower head on them uh you do no rezzo heads no because you know why because i'm fucking crazy and I'm i'm a pianist first and when i started tuning drums when i first started playing drums and tuning them i was like I have no idea what I'm doing. And I just had this horrible fear that my rezzo head would clash with my batter head, like interval wise. And that's not like a thing, you know, but I, but I, because I think of things in notes so much, it like freaked me out the idea of like having two heads on my drums. And so I've just kept the, um, batter heads on no rezzo heads it's a you know it's it's the ludwig blue uh the pearl super beat kit so yours is the classic right super classic you have a you have a ludwig super beat yes how in the hell did you get a hold of one of those every every piece of my drum kit i knew exactly what i wanted i got it immediately i have the ludwig superphonic you have a superphonic what's the uh, dimensions 6.5 6.5 by 14. I got it at a home goods store and they sold it to me for super cheap because they said that the head, like it had like a little bit of extra paint on it, like coating. That's it. Um, and it was so stupid because like you can buy a new drum head. They like sold it to me for like $350. It was crazy. And I was like, they just don't know what they had. And I, I got lucky. But that said, mm-hmm. I have an SM57 on the snare, super original. I have two overhead mics that I don't particularly love. They're kind of bright, but they're okay for like panning things, like making a little bit of wideness. But most of my cymbal sound I get from my room mic, which is this mic that I'm using now just for this podcast. It looks like an AKG. Yeah, it's an AKG. It's like not an expensive microphone. You know, I just had a conversation with somebody who lives up here who actually owns the old studio of The Strokes. And like he lives in it now. And like we went over there and he was showing me his mic collection and he asked me what kind of mic I used. And I actually couldn't even remember. This has just been my first mic. And this was the mic that I've recorded many albums on when I worked with other people. And like, I just know how to get my vocals to sound good on this mic. Like, I feel like if you know enough about EQing and how you want your vocals to sit in your mix, like you don't need like a crazy expensive microphone. No. Um, 
one of my friends, he basically like is really well connected and he knew people that were like liquidating a studio in New York City that like Elton John recorded at and Barbara Streisand recorded at. Like they were getting rid of gear at a huge discount, you know, and he got Barbara Streisand's microphone. He ended up with Barbara Streisand's microphone, like the one that she always used when she came into the studio. And was it like a U87 or something? It is a Telefunken something. Oh, Telefunken. Nice. And guess what? I, I have sung on it before just for fun, recording at his house and whatever. And I do not like it because really? it picks up every little detail. It picks up every mouth sound. It picks out if I, if I like, have a little tiny bubble of saliva on my gum and sing an E. You know what I mean? Like, And it's just like, I don't need that much detail. And for Tame Impala vocals, for kind of psychedelic vocals, like that much clarity is going to be harder for you. Yeah. in the mix the way you want to usually you want to reverb it out you want to soak it up you want it to you know not be that bright and and yeah. so um so yeah it's just i don't believe that mics are good or bad or you should care if you have an expensive mic or not um but i do think that you can pretty much get anything if you know what you want I think everyone knows at this point by now he uses the DBX 165A. Everyone um, knows that. I guarantee yeah. everyone knows that. You're such a nerd. <laughs> I know. No, everyone knows that, right? No? <laughs> I don't think everyone. I don't think everyone. He briefly shows it in that Currents teaser video before the album came out where he's got two stacked in a rack and then he's just adjusting the threshold on both. And I'm like, yep. oh my God. Yeah. Oh my but, God. But um, he used the 165 because it was a recommendation from his producer who actually lives in New York uh, to use wow. it. So for Lonerism is the first time he used the DBX 165 all by himself. And it sounds great. And actually having one and looking at it, it's amazing. Well, I did what put, do you use it for when recording? Um, so I record the drums into Logic and then I output them into the compressor so that I can hit spacebar on the project at any time. And then the drums from the project will be going through it. And I can just adjust the knobs right here until I love it. And then I'll just keep it like that. So, but then it records into Logic, like through that compressor. Mm -hmm. so the next time you play your, play your song, you take it out of that area. You know, you're just sitting in your bed listening to your song. It has those compressor settings automatically in your DAW. Um, well, I mean, it's it's from 1970, so it's only like... I just re-record its output into the project. Okay, got it. And if I want to go back and change the settings, I have to readjust them, send the audio through, and back into Logic. It's actually way simpler than I make it sound so stupid, but it's oh, very simple. Oh, no, no, but that makes sense. So, but is that how you recorded the drums on um, on the song you sent me? On which no. Or you did? No. No. Just use Devilock? It's sad that... I came, I found all these revelations about recording drums to sound similar to that just a little bit after that came out. Hmm. And I wish I can go back and fix those drums. But. You know what though? But that's what Kevin says though. He always says like, every time he releases something, he's always like, all right, I got like close. I didn't quite nail it, but next time. And it's like, yeah. 
that's if you don't feel like that then you're not challenging yourself so you know i always feel like that (laughs) exactly that's the point you're always growing so i'm not a drummer i just pretend i'm not a drummer I just pretend. You need to shut the fuck up. You are a drummer. You are a musician. You are a producer. You are an engineer. You know, you are all you need to be a musician is to be curious. That's all you fucking need. And well, then I have it then because that yeah. that's a good way of saying it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's true. And so, you know, like you're talking about the anxiety you have when creating. I don't think that any artist doesn't feel that. I think that makes you more of an artist because you realize like, holy shit, this is like a lot of pressure I'm putting on myself to like try to get out what I'm hearing in my head effectively. Like that's a lot of pressure. And if you fall short of that, it feels like failure and it's really hard not to get like emotionally attached. Right. Like, is, is that, is that where the I feel like if anxiety comes from for you or that's just like if some of the time making the music is too easy for you, then you're probably doing it wrong. I'm going to let you take it away because I feel like you have like a whole curriculum that you want to outline. So. Oh, my God. I do feel like a because prof- like uh, like that wild, crazy professor. Yeah. It's like with the that. whiteboard and Hell like yeah. the, the string that like goes to all the thumbtacks. Yes, yeah. exactly. Oh, my God. You're Charlie Day. in uh- yeah, that that <laughs> meme. Yeah. I had um, I posted that the drums in the sunroom on YouTube. And I think it's like at like 4.2K or something like that. And people... This it was such a long, it was like a month or two ago. And I said, I will post a tutorial video soon. And then I never got around to it. So they're probably going to be super Waiting. pumped about this. Yeah. Oh my God. Wait, are you going to use this as your tutorial video? I might. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. So you take it away. Do, do what you got to do. I want to learn. <clears throat> okay. Or I'll shut the fuck up now. So I've gotten it down to such a science that I have a TuneBot, which is like this little device that you put on the side of your drums. And I have written down the exact hertz that I want each batter head and rezo head to sound like for each drum. I totally do that, but not based on lonerism drums or like, a you know, I, well, I guess that would be my next question for you is like, I mean, was this specifically your attempt to get the lonerism drums or like, is this kind of, you want to make it your own? It's like lonerism inspired, but you're not going to say that your snare is tuned to the exact same pitch that the snare and lonerism is. So not the snare, just the toms, because the ones in lonerism is very generic, just open, big open toms. So, I mean, you can probably name a bunch of albums that have big open toms like that. Um, but yeah, I got the Hertz down. Exploring how he got a sound would take me months to like, so the drums, it took me years. It took me like two years to figure this stuff out. It's just in my free time. Mm-hmm. And the process to get to this point taught me a hundred different things along the way. Yep. So that's the beauty of it is it wasn't all for nothing. Okay. Yeah. You got that one thing. You You got that sound, but you learned like, 89 different things in the process that you can keep in your toolbox. Sure. So now my toolbox is growing. A hundred percent. And, you know, I mean, I, I feel like, I mean, just from what I can see in the background there, and by the way, I do have a tune bot and I know exactly what pitch I fell in love with all my drums at. Like my, my toms are basically like, bum, bum. They're almost like George of the jungle. Bum, 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 like almost. And, Mm -hmm. My snare is a is also very loose. It's a a D sharp 
It's a D sharp. <laughs> like, I don't know the Hertz number off the top of my head, but I know the quote unquote note of it. Um, but I'm looking at your toms and it looks like you have some muffling, at least on the floor tom. You have like a bandana on it. Oh, yeah. You can see that? Yeah. Can you see that? I can. Yes. Yeah. How, so so to get the big open sound, the floor tom does get pretty like boom. Yep. So I use a bandana for that and I have a bandana on the snare. Not if you don't have a head. <laughs> yeah, I've I've experimented with that many times and I just it didn't sit right with me. Maybe I was doing it wrong. So I've also experimented with putting muffling on my toms and it, but then again, maybe if I had a resonant head and put muffling, it would be good. But to have just a batter head and a bandana on it or a shirt, it like just sounds like nothing to me. Like it doesn't sound good. And I want it to sound like momentous and ringy. And then I can just take a multiband compressor and edit some of the ring out if I really want to. But like mm. I'd rather give myself too much than too little. But to get that specific sound, you need an open room or it's not going to work. That is like... I'd say that's like 40% of the sound right there. So we have a four mic setup, kick, snare, snare shell, and then the overhead. So for each one, I do have effects, but it's sort of very minimal. And um, for this one, I'm using the DBX165 plug-in because I was too lazy to use the actual piece of gear this morning. <laughs> the one that you have. <laughs> yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, take notes. <laughs> this is a person who literally has this actual compressor in their house and they're using the plug-in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, That's incredible. Thank I'm not proud of it. That. So let's start with just kick. This is what the kick sounds like when everything is not being used. And this is why won't they talk to me? And um, I did just a chorus and then that one little bridge part. So here we go. All right. And so let's turn on an enveloper just takes background noise out. So if you open up enveloper, it'll be, I would use this a lot for your, um, not your overheads, but your other mics, your dynamics. So let's do enveloper. It starts out with factory default. Just go back one room killer right there. Ooh, I like the sound of that. Kills the whole room. So now here with that. Simple. And then I use the compressor. This is just to make it more punchy in the mix. Okay, now can I just stop you right here and say that this is a public service announcement for anybody learning to record drums currently who's listening. For, for anybody who is hearing a raw kick for the first time and thinking, huh, that fucking sucks. That sounds like paper. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. You're doing it right because I cannot tell you how much time I wasted at the beginning of learning how to mix just thinking that there was something wrong with my kick drum, something wrong with me, something wrong with the way I was playing it. Like I, I just couldn't, couldn't get over how papery it sounded. And that's just what a raw kick sounds like y'all. That's just, yeah. we're so used to hearing samples, you know, and this is just, just not to worry if your kick sounds like that. Like, isn't this reassuring? All right, continue. <laughs> it all, all the magic happens right at the end. And then you'll understand why that mic was so important. Although it doesn't sound like it right now. Yeah. So this is all just very minimal stuff. You don't even honestly need this compressor. This is just to make it a little more snappy. So keep in mind that all four of these, all four of the drum mics are outputted to bus one. And this is my bus one. So if you notice, if I go through the tracks, it's all on bus one. 
And that's where the magic really starts to happen. So here's the snare. It's literally just an EQ. And um, I took out some lows and my specific snare, so don't follow this, but my snare has a little bit of resonancy nodes right there at 222. That's how I remember it. <laughs> so instead of going boom, boom, it'll just sound like a snare. Yeah. So let's hear it. And off. Yep. It's way more boomy and um, it's like you can hear the note and then turn it on. Can you hear it? The resonant? I can hear it. I think it's mm -hmm. awesome. You keyed it out really nicely. Now turn it off. So that's just making it a little more clear. Yeah. And this is the magic point right here. This is the snare shell. And this requires the devil lock, at least in my opinion. Um, I don't know why the noise gate's there. It doesn't belong there. So for this one, it is so flexible with what it does. So here's the snare shell by itself. It's going to sound weird, but listen. And I did all this crazy stuff to it. Um, just to take out, there's that note again, 222. And I took off a little bit of that clarity and I boosted these upper mids because that's what gives it that snap. Mm -hmm. And then here's what it sounds like with that. Off. Back on. And this is the magic on this one. Devil lock. So two for crush, five for crunch. Keep it on slow. Don't do anything with the darkness. And then I mix it in five. So here's what it sounds like. Wow. And that um, really makes it louder. So another PSA, another PSA, don't get thrown off. A lot of plugins, they, they do change the quality of the sound, but they also make stuff louder and your ear is going to like always prefer things that are louder. Like it's going to just think louder is better. So beware of that. But you can definitely hear the devil lock, you know, really smushing that drum, really making it sound aggressive and gushy and um yeah that sounds awesome i have it I mean, in this I big use open room. Devil lock on like my whole drum bus <laughs> really i have it as well yeah right here do you really mm -hmm. i use it three specific times in this drum mix okay so on the overhead too yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome awesome okay great minds and it does something different in my opinion to, like for this it brings the room more into it like you hear more of the room mm. so let's hear it with nothing on it and then for just taking out some lows boosting some mids yep. very simplistic on there i like to people like to have a bright mix i like to dampen it Same. just like that well that's the that's how you get it to sound a little vintage that's how you get it to sound no. a little you know, fuzzy, low pass filter. I hate when drums are those very high notes are like killing your ear. I agreed. like it just like that. Agreed. Good call. And here's the devil lock. And just, this is just, I reduced the gain a little bit. Okay. Well, amazing. 
So for the double lock, I have it on two, two, and then two. So it's very minimal. Yeah. Here we go. And then here's what everything sounds like before the bus. If you gain before your compressor right here, you push that compressor harder. Yep. And it is such an easy way to just change the sound on the fly. So I guess that's what I did here. So this is the Comp VCA 65. It is by Arturia and it is an exact replica, digitally of course, of the analog compressor, the DBX-165A. The one that Kevin uses. They're kind of hard to come by or, or it's a hefty price. Source so stupid because they're great and everyone should have one, honestly. Everyone should have one. Yes, they should just give them out for free. Profit to give away these compressors. <laughs> yes, to everyone longing for one. Yeah, to children in need, to adults in need who really want yeah. compressor. No, so, but you were saying that in Logic there is a stock plugin that is modeled after it. What is that called exactly? It is just called Compressor. Well, you click on compressor, but then you click on which the vin the here and you get VCA different options for vintage VCA. And what's funny is they made the colors look like the compressor it's mimicking. So this one is mimicking the tube tube tech, yeah. um, which is so stupidly expensive. This one looks just like the Teletronics LA2A, which was used on the vocals for the Slow Rush. Beautiful. And it's like a $5,000 piece of equipment. So you have it right here. So, okay. But so the classic VCA is what you want if you're trying to get the um, the Kevin compressor, the, the stock logic version of the Kevin compressor, the DBX-165A. But there's one downside. Um, so if you go to the VCA 65. So the one in my studio looks exactly like this from the face. It even has the rack ears on each side. This one has an auto attack and release button that you press. And I keep it off because then it crunches and squashes your drums. But if you turn that on, it keeps that kick and snare still in your face. Okay. Which you might, want. Definitely. you might want. Definitely. But it seems like this one keeps that button on all the time. So you can't change it. Interesting. Yeah. So the vintage VCA or the classic VCA? Which one are we talking about here? Or both? We're talking about the classic VCA. And then fat effects. Uh, it's just a little bit of more harmonic distortion. Is this the saturator, essentially? A saturator and a bass enhancer. So when you open it up, it already has these, uh, the distortion, bandpass, and bass enhancer on. So oh. I just do a little bit of everything. A little bit of saturation. So let's recap. So for the four mic setup on the bus, all these tracks are sending to this one channel strip and it'll have my compressor, which is a VCA compressor. This is an emulation of the 165 alpha and that's squashing your drums and making it this very flat sound, but it's explosive sounding. And then the devil lock, uh, I feel like it even adds more of that compression and um, it really opens up the room. You can hear the room more as well as the instrument itself, which is great. And the channel EQ is just rolling off some lows and taking out some of those highs because I don't need them for my specific mixes. I like when the drums 
don't have that shrill harshness that some people want pristine drums, but not me. And then fat effects, I just turn on bass enhancer and just turn it up just a little bit. So the kick stands out a little more. And then this distortion area, you can choose what type of distortion you want. It gives you soft saturation and variable drive right off the rip. So I just turn them up just a little bit and you got an amazing sound. So let's take a listen to this whole mix with the bus off. Now with it on. have it that's yeah. pretty much the sound i'm going for there wait can we talk about the neck the what is happening in the second half of that with the symbol specifically because i love that and i have worked with some people who think that that's like a mistake but do you hear how the symbol or the crashes that's hanging over and then there's a compressor that's opening and closing and opening and closing when the kick and the snare are hit and so it's creating this kind of like yeah, so it's it's making the crash kind of duck underneath as soon as the kick and snare hits. Yeah. That's all the compressors. That's exactly like the devil lock in the VCA. Yeah, no, and and I, that's what happened like I when I tried it at home too and then I was like I like initially I was like, "Oh, that's a problem." And then I realized, "No, like that actually like helps with the kind of psychedelic drum sound." So, can we play it one more time just cuz I want to I want people to like hear that. Just the second half of it. All right, here we go. Yeah. So this is the part, obviously, he's playing the acoustic guitar, and then boom, the whole chorus hits one more time. That's it. Oh, yeah. Love that. Love that so much. And yeah, I don't know why I'm, I'm saying all these public service announcements. I don't know why I'm, I'm choosing to present it in that way, but I just, I love hearing that in isolation and hearing like, okay, this is a choice. You know what I mean? Like this is a choice to not dial back the compression to make the symbols not be you know, kind of pumping like that. Like some people, you know what I mean? Like some people would listen to that and think like, that is not what I want. Yep, of course. And like, that doesn't sound like a clean drum sound and that doesn't sound real and the compressor is working too hard. But, and that's where you get into this kind of like really interesting area of like 
you know, subjective versus objective and mixing and all that. Exactly. That was amazing. Would you mind just for the record, just taking everything off again, playing the whole group of drums and just like take every single thing off? Because I will take every single thing off. I want to give people hope. I want people to know that like drums, you need to, you need to work a little hard to get your drums to sound good. Like you just do. They're not going to sound incredible off the bat. These are just four mics directly into your ears, nothing in between. Yeah. Sounds pretty boring. But they sound, I mean, they sound great. Like they sound like drums, but you want more than that. Most likely if you're a Tame Impala fan, you want a little more than that. You want to go the extra mile. So exactly. That was great. Oh my God. Thank you so much for that demo. Of course. I hope people use these tools or like, you know, if you've never even seen them before, try one out, play around with it. See if you like it. Definitely. Definitely. And there will be a video supplement to this. My podcast, unfortunately, is not video format, but if you're super interested in nerding out about this stuff a little bit further, um, I I believe Austin's going to put it on his YouTube channel and you should just check out his YouTube channel. You should listen to his music. (laughs) This has been the Fame Impala podcast. Tune in next week for part two where we'll dive even deeper into how Austin got some Tame Impala-inspired guitar tones. Till next time.